Welcome to Save That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's spring! It is. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Spring has sprung. Wow. That's pretty deep. Jed's career as a children's party entertainer <laughs> was short-lived and unpleasant. You, you have to have the visual as Jed sits there in all black, black. today. Just spring has sprung. It says it. And then before you folks even heard it, starts maniacally silently laughing because of his dark, dark joke. The river's tent is broken. The last fingers of leaf clutch and sink into the wet bank. The nymphs are departed. Wow. <laughs> I'm really disturbed, and that that takes a lot from yeah, me. You're yeah. welcome. We've had people say this before. They say, you know, I heard this this reference or this thing, Eric Clapton, for example, and I had to go Google it because I know what that is. Don't do that with nymph. <laughs> yeah. no. There's a couple of meanings on that word. Jed meant one, but a different one might pop up if you Google that. So just just live with the mystery. You know, it, it, and generally don't don't Google anything you hear on this show. No, that's that's just right. it. it's, it's not going to be worth it, and it could be super horrible. Speaking of the magic of the internet, joining us via that all, way, all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastor of Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. My name is Lee, and I have an emergency, a springtime emergency. Uh-oh, oh, springtime my. emergency? That sounded like in, like in meetings of Emergency Anonymous. Listen. My Hi. name is Lee, and I have an emergency. Hi, Hi Lee. Lee. <laughs> I was confirming that my name was Lee. So here's the deal. At, as the winter ice began to thaw and an actual state of emergency was lifted from the state of Tennessee... Um, I oh, you had a little ice, did you? That must have been pretty <laughs> wow. rough. Sounds terrible. <laughs> the state of Tennessee declared an actual emergency. This is uh, this is all true. right. So here's what I'm saying: as that as it began to thaw, um, and as our children went back to school, mercifully, oh, thank you, Lord. As all of that began to transpire, thanks, I, Putin. I came <laughs> into the <laughs> I came into the recording studio one day this the secret uh, uh satellite headquarters of the say that podcast in Tennessee and I found on the on the shelf beside the recording equipment I found a note that says springtime comes to say that oh. I'm going to you can hear the the note right here. Somebody has written nice that. foley, which they could didn't. sound like a vaguely worded like yakuza threat, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in this case, like, I think it's positive. Right. Well, it could be that there's like a it could be that there's like a luchador named Springtime or something. Sure, sure, and he's absolutely. just come. He's gonna come bring the boom or something. But right. Springtime comes to say that, and then there were uh, there were auspiciously four containers of what happened to be uh, my favorite candy. The Springtime Whoppers Mini Robin's Eggs. Uh-oh. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Uh, th- there's two ways that this can go down. And this is why this is an emergency. Okay. Uh, one way is, okay, spring is here, so it's time for Whoppers to roll out the Robin's Eggs. We all know that's coming. Every, I sure. mean, everybody knows that's where I'm going at the grocery yeah. store. But here's what I'm saying. There are four boxes of these of these things, little uh, little cartons, containers of this candy. Now, it could be that somebody that knows the show and knows me and cares about me as a friend knows that it's my favorite candy, so they just got me a lot of boxes of it. 
Sure. Yeah. And so I'm kind of going ahead and diving on in there and uh, partaking in the candy. Right. There could be another way to see that. I mean, it's possible. It it so happens that four is the number of hosts on the show, number of presenters on the show. I, I don't really know if I'm supposed to share these or... Okay. I just so don't know. I, I just don't know what you guys think about. You're, I, you're I, saying that unless someone explicitly tells you to share with other people, your assumption is it's all mine. Well, I, here's here are the facts. Kindergarten the, was a little different when Lee went through it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the was, facts. Was, was, he was went I, to a more uh, just a more Ayn Rand style. <laughs> yeah, kindergarten. Your, sharing's for suckers. Right. You know. Here's what I'm the saying. The facts are who could. <laughs> <laughs> the facts are that. It's my favorite candy. Everybody knows my favorite candy, and uh, and so they they got the way I saw it originally was they got me a lot of it. Sure. Uh huh. Well, I think uh, and you were you were saying before the show that you've already consumed one of the four cartons. Yeah. So it's kind one of, of decision time. Yeah. One of the cartons is empty, and I'm. I'm not going to lie. Those other three are looking pretty good. Well, let's look at how these these kind of, to carry on the poetic theme, Jed has put us down, these two divergent roads in this yellow wood carry us. Mm. One, you have, you know, Lee sends a nice thing to his, his friends up here in Chicago who've been through a much longer winter than one week of some ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah. the person who gave him those gets that warm, fuzzy feeling, which they certainly intended of everybody getting some, and we're happy, and Lee's happy, and they're happy. Right. The other is someone who works at the church walks into the studio and finds Lee uh, just collapsed in a pile <laughs> of Robin's coma. eggs Malted and gluttony. Yeah. Just yeah. overcome <laughs> yeah. with shame, but not uh-huh. real regret in a very odd kind of moral quandary. And, I, I, uh, I you know, it seems pretty clear. I got an image of autopsy room, <laughs> cold slab, what caused this man to die at the in the why he was in in the flower of his youth, and the 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 coroner says, apparently there was a robin's egg candy lodged in his throat. Okay, okay, in his esophagus that he choked on. We tried to we tried to tell him to chew, but he just kept pouring them. Yeah, he <laughs> was afraid he would have to share. <laughs> There may be an even darker possibility here that we haven't oh, considered. And I okay. feel like that's really my gift is to bring up the darkest possible timeline. Sure. Um, Jedgar Allan Poe over here. Exactly right. Um, <laughs> Never more. That deserved more from all of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Including you, person listening. You may have laughed at that, but you didn't laugh enough. That's right. Know your place. We're talking about the good Jedgar Allan Poe, not that John Cusack crap. Okay. Here's here's what I'm saying. Is um, You can always you- trust Jed to go more obscure. I, I bet you five dollars he did not see the, the that movie, the Cusack movie. I actually didn't. That's how I know Jed. Right sure. there, he's bashed it, hasn't seen it. That's how much of a movie snob you are. I rebuke you. 
Your rebuke is delicious in my mouth, Glenn. It if makes you ever, me strong. If you ever wanted to peek into what a Mission USA staff meeting is like, <laughs> this is it. Weird right movie here. reference followed by aha, followed by I rebuke you is pretty much it. Yeah, that's the point. Followed by I a refusal to be shaved. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you had a dark possibility. I have a dark possibility. It's the darkest timeline. Exactly right. Thank you, Abed. Here's what I'm saying with the darkest timeline is, is it possible that, because we don't know who gave these. Right. We have some guesses, but is it possible? Are you saying they're poison? I'm saying that they may were maybe were given to poison our spirits by uh, sowing seeds of discord. Yeah, exactly. Is, is it possible that they were given to Lee to to produce this exact outcome, uh, where it would tear the podcast asunder? Is it possible, nay, likely mm. that these are the fruit mm. of the cyborg tree? Wow! Only in these United States of America. Would someone refer to Robin's eggs candy as fruit in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> even metaphorically? I'm just okay. saying, can we rule out the possibility that Joel Montgomery Osteen, our longtime nemesis, planted this parcel of Robin's eggs in our satellite office just to provoke this kind well, of infighting? If that's and possible, awfulness. I think that what I should probably do in that case is to go ahead and fall on the sword and eat the rest of them. Uh, no, Lee, I, I, I think uh, Jed's suggesting the only way to keep us all together is for you to dutifully and faithfully mail those off to us, and maybe with a nice note, you know? <laughs> um, that, 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 get, that, that gets a little Romeo and Juliet for my taste. <laughs> Here's what <laughs> I'm saying. We're all sharing of this together. It's been I a very wanna, literary episode so far. I want to circle back to what you were saying, Matt, about this note. Sure. Springtime for Say That. Uh, it's ominous. But let's say I put this with it. But winter is coming. Okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> well, we'll be a lot more popular on the internet if you keep saying things like that. Glenn, but, I don't watch offensive shows like that one. I don't even know what that's a reference to. Uh, it, it, here, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm bashing on that show, which I actually have not seen either. So um, Look, so if, now, if we're gonna, I, now we're on equal footing. If we're going to go true confessions, if we're going to be right. honest with the people, right. I've, I've said this to all three of our co-hosts and many other people in private. I will share it with you people as well. I got the HBO Go. Who's nice. to say which of my relatives actually subscribed to HBO for me to get that password? It's hard right. to say. We may never know. But uh, so I said, you know, I heard a lot about this Game of Thrones. I need a show. I'm going to watch. And I right. made it about six episodes in. And I thought two things I've never thought before of the right. any kind of medium. This is too dark for me. Right. Yeah. And... A lot of that nudity seems a little gratuitous. And these are two thoughts I'd never had watching a show or a movie before. <laughs> yeah, when, and that's really how hard you've gone at it. When, when a dude says, it's a little much, y'all, then yeah. you, you know, yeah. That, said, didn't, that doesn't have anything to do with advancing the plot. Right. Which uh, brings us to one of Jed's favorite pastimes. Tell me. Which is scrolling the, fa- the social medias, Facebook in particular, for super Christian people who have super Christian opinions and they think this person's bad and Miley Cyrus and this, that, but also really love Game of Thrones and House of Cards. Oh, that makes me so happy. Which dude. are shows entirely about people totally screwing each other over in the most horrific ways. Yes, full yeah. frontal nudity, violence. <laughs> It's the, it's the whole thing. Here's, just to put this out there, it's not a good idea, but I get it if you're on the, I'm going to tell you which people are bad and who you should vote for and whatnot. It's not right. a way to live, but I get it if that's right. what you're on. It's also, you know, to say, well, I'm just going to you know be about whatever I want and these are the shows I like. That I get that. Yeah, we're not saying don't like it. We're just saying it's not for me. Exactly right. But you can't bring those two things together. <laughs> you can't be legalistic and talk about how Orange is the New Black is your favorite show of all time. <laughs> that just doesn't work. 
Winter is coming. To Winter Salem. has come, Glenn, in the Whoa. form of Robin's eggs. <laughs> Look, the, I don't think that malted milk balls should tear, tear us apart. You what I'm trying to... What, here's what I'm hearing. If we could just sum this up. As we should. There's a there's a possibility that Joel Osteen is 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 behind trying, this is behind is trying to tear us apart. There's a possibility based on the note that winter is coming and that these are in fact not Robin's egg candy but dragon eggs. Okay. That will hatch and it, we will all die in a horrible attack from a dragon that's breathing fire. Totally on everyone. Uh, I'd say it has uh, like a 67% likelihood. Well, yeah. Given, I actually have read several of the books, and uh-huh. I think what that actually would imply you is that... You think you're better than me with your books? Oh, I'm dramatically better than all of you. Fair actually, enough. I, I, I haven't mentioned that before because I thought it was really obvious, oh. but since since we're at... Yes, no, I'm, I'm better well, it's than... it's a little repetitive with that t-shirt you're wearing that says, Hi, I'm Jed, I'm better than you. Yeah, all yeah. Right. But clearly what will happen here is that Lee will become the new cow... Um, I'm I'm thinking maybe like Cal Youngo, you know, to kind of build off of the Cal Drogo thing. But then he has to get back to Chicago to reclaim his birthright. Uh-huh. His people were driven from here. Right. It's a whole thing. This is good for him, bad for us. Okay. Very, very bad for but it's great for Lee though. Well, he there's, comes out, there's an there's another possibility as well, which is we could just get some super fans to send so much more Robin's eggs to all of us. That it overwhelms the infighting that's been caused by these four very small containers of Robin's eggs. Here's what I'm concerned about. Two things. Just from, I'm, I'm going to take this from a, a business perspective. Hit me. One, how Hershey's has not partnered with HBO to make Dragon's Egg candy. So Hello. Far. That's actually a great idea. You're it's welcome. Beyond me. And trademark Glenn Fitzgerald. Let me get the date here. March 15th, 2015. You right. owe us. Right. Send a check. Absolutely. The other the problem. March. The other, absolutely. The other problem here is um, I'm not sure Gl- Lee knows you can buy these things. <laughs> well, here's his his answer seems to be the, he seems to think the only way for him to get more of these is to solicit r- strangers on the internet to send them, and they're, they're not expensive. They're everywhere. Well, here's must what be I'm, nice. Yeah, yeah. here's what pretty I'm, awesome. Here's what I'm saying is. I think uh, clearly this has torn us apart. It has. Yeah. It's confused us. Uh, Doesn't take a lot at the end of the day. It clearly doesn't take a lot. So I think that's sort of an emergency level problem in and of itself. But I think the thing that we've learned here is that the last uh, time uh, that we were discussing all of these matters, we were talking about... uh, 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 Mr. Putin in totally. Russia, and we we told him uh, back down, sure. or I, I possibly I would get into an eagle costume and wrestle him wearing a bear costume in international for, waters. In international waters for America, sure. So we'd be free from the cold weather. Well, here's what we know: two things happened. It got a lot warmer, yep. and we got a nice note. So. I think okay. uh, you think it's an apology note from Vladimir. You're saying maybe that, maybe that came from the Kremlin. I think we definitely do not have proof of not that. So, 
that's pretty strong evidence. Are any wow. of the letters backwards on that note? <laughs> it's a, it's got a strong Cyrillic slant to it. <laughs> haven't we is... made fun of the? Haven't we hit the poor Russians enough? <laughs> the last few days? Just really wrong the, alphabet letters. The most, most Anglo centric statement possible. They write them words funny. <laughs> <laughs> they write them. Words. Here's what I'm saying: is uh, I, I actually saw an image on the interwebs. Uh, last last week, where uh, they had a picture of Vladimir Putin shirtless right. riding a weasel, which was riding uh, a, a hummingbird. hummingbird. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, and you're it, saying he was doing that to escape the fury of Fitzgerald. Not only that, but he was bringing spring with him. That's okay, right. I mean, That's this right. is what I'm saying. So it, this is this is all totally possible. I, I mean, at, at this point, um, I, you know, I I think. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I still don't know what to do with these robin's eggs, but um, they're awfully tempting. But I think it's. I think it's fair to go ahead and call emergency off. Okay. Well, you're welcome, America. We we started with candy. We somehow got to time traveling cyborgs, Vladimir Putin, literary references. Right. Which is unfortunately pretty standard for this here show. Yes. Well, literary references and George R. R. Martin books. Yep. Pow! Wow! Take that, nerds! Well played. Slam! Has just collapsed forward. That thump you may have heard was him literally flinging himself onto the table with glee. A man who made a Kardashians from Deep Space Nine joke in our last episode yells, "Take that, nerds!" That's nice. That's nice. Well, you Lord. Know. All right. Well, I for the last couple episodes, to be honest with you folks, I'd gotten pretty happy with the way I had transitioned into the Bridgebox plug. That ain't happening this week. Okay. We're just going to barrel head first. Bridgebox, sermons, Bible studies, songs, lots of cool stuff. We've actually had quite a number of people sign up recently. Lovely. Last week, we've had several sign-ups. People are jumping on board. There's a lot of great stuff. What's March's topic, Jed? I always forget the topic. The one that we're in right now or the yeah. one we're going into? In. Uh, right now is um, how do I know what God thinks? That's right. And then next month will be how do I make big decisions? Yeah. So if that seems like some uh, that you need some encouragement on, some good wisdom on, there's a lot of stuff in Bridgebox. Like I said, a lot of people are getting on board. Don't miss out on the opportunity to support awesome ministry that's going on here in Chicago and to get awesome stuff for yourself. And you can sign up for the Lee Younger version, missionusa.com slash BBLY. The regular is missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Email me, Matt, at missionusa.com if you have any questions or to get the super secret deal on both. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. If you have a question, you can hang out with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, and... Question writer, I'm not going to do a mocking, serious voice when I read this first line of your question, and it's taking every bit of restraint would I you, have. Would you like me to? No, I think <laughs> we're going to be nice to this okay. person, because they are a nice person who wrote in a question that we're going to help, but okay. they took it a little strong. Let's try that. I'm a selfish human with a lot of fears that stem from my selfishness. Now, now is that you, Matt, or is that the person? That That's the question asker. Okay, I got My it. inner monologue read it this way, if you would please, Jed. I'm a selfish human with a lot of fears that stem from my selfishness. Yep. I'm a selfish human with a lot of fears that stem from my selfishness. I keep thinking, what if I get married and love someone and one day she gets into a car accident and dies? What if we have a child who gets a disease? What if the doctor tells me I have to make a choice between saving my wife or my unborn child? 
What if my wife is disabled and I have to care for her the rest of my life? What if I develop a lifelong disability? I can't handle all this fear. Glenn, please help this very worried person. Well, sure. I I think you've left something out. What if you let your fears and selfishness run rampant? Which means I think you should be afraid about being afraid. And I have just invented meta-fear singularity <laughs> collapsing in upon itself. So That's nice, man. It's pretty, That's nice. Pretty That's nice. Also, I think that Christian book would sell. Yeah. You're describing the anxiety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Copyright that one. <laughs> I can't even say it. Anxiety. There you go. Wow. Nice. Um, nice. So, uh, yeah, here's the thing uh, about uh, uh, all of these fears. The We have this sense of um, fear gives us a sense that it uh, has a point. Uh, fear yeah. has a way of carrying a certain amount of gravity. It, it has a way of convincing you to give it time and energy and attention. Uh, fear has a way of blocking out a lot of other things. It has a way of kind of uh, creating a fog. Of It's hard to concentrate on other things. It's hard to kind of get past it. And for sure, like all emotions, fear is uh, something where it's, it's hard to simply snap your fingers and just snap out of it. If, if, right. if, you're, if I say, go to anyone who's in a, let's say, a bad mood, depressed mood, something like that, I say, don't feel that way. You, you can't yeah, just snap your fingers and, and change right. that. So changing your emotions in that sense is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, what we need to do is uh, to change our thoughts. You know, your your emotions are hard to control in that sense, but your thoughts are totally under your control. If 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 you find yourself having your thoughts controlled by an outside agent, uh, we definitely need to declare an emergency <laughs> on that one and uh, explore whether or not Putin has gotten to you too, or Joel Osteen or something else. Both fun options. Generally I'm so speaking, uncomfortable when we blend the emergency part with the advice part. Yes, uh, but uh, generally speaking, you're going to be in control of your emotions, uh, or excuse me, your thoughts, and uh, your emotions are going to reflect... Not actually in control of your emotions, which may be part of the problem here. Exactly right. I think that's the that's a thing, and I'll kick it around to these other guys, but I, I think the I, w- what we're doing is we're letting those fears get... Uh, on a feedback loop where they get bigger right. and bigger and bigger and they just snowball and snowball and snowball. And uh, we we aren't addressing that fear on a global level. In other words, all this fear is not from God. Yeah, All of it is damaging your peace and your calm and your focus. Uh, all of it needs to be seen as an outside attacking uh, 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 you know, a sort of a, a viral attack that's being put upon you, and it needs to be handled that way and rejected in that way. So, I think just to get started, that's where we need to look at. I think that's absolutely right. And one of the things, you know, we we make fun on the podcast a little bit because part of that is we want to defang the uh, the kind of sense of impending doom people tend to feel about these things, and we feel too. And part of that is because these are all not rational but relatable fears right lee yeah absolutely i mean i can i can think of specific times in my life where i've thought some of the exact same things that you write in your question i mean before before i got married before i had kids before i experienced a lot of the things that i've gone through in my life i've you know i've at least had some of these thoughts kind of run through my head what if this happens what if that happens what if the, this other thing happens 
here's the really interesting thing is um, I, I got married. Uh, we had kids. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, like, 90% of the stuff or even more of the stuff that I was afraid of never actually happened. But here's the deal. Other really st- hard stuff happened. And God got us through it. Yeah. And yeah. here's the, the the funny thing is is that the Lord will always give you the strength to face the thing that you're in. But when we get caught up in fear, we have now projected ourselves into an imaginary reality where there actually is no strength from the Lord to face it because it doesn't exist. But what you're whatever you're actually facing, the Lord will strengthen you to to actually face. And that's what fear does. Fear basically it, it lies to you and then it it pulls you into some kind of uh, non-reality where you don't have any help from the Lord to face it. You don't have, because you don't have to, because you're not actually there. In other words, I was afraid of things and then we got married and then I actually faced some actual suffering, some real stuff. And the Lord just shepherded us right through it. And that's what you're going to find as you walk with him is, you know, when you, when you get married, if you have children, you, you know, change jobs or you're, you're in school, you change majors or, or, you know, something happens with your folks or something happens, whatever, what, whatever you go through, you will not have been able to calculate it. You don't know what's, mm-hmm. what you're going to face. You, we, you will face really, really hard stuff, but you are guaranteed to have a shepherd who walks you through every step of it. Um, and, and that's the problem is that fear takes us into a place where we don't actually have any strength. But the Lord always gives us the strength to face the things that we are actually into. It's absolutely a great point. Part of the other thing that what fear does is, the one of the big lies of fear is that if you're afraid, you'll be vigilant about yeah. all the things that are going to yeah. jump up and get you and you'll stop them. That's really kind of the opposite, right, Jed? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think... Fear, and I think this is true in American culture, I think fear claims that it can protect you, that it can keep mm-hmm. you safe, mm-hmm. and it can't. It yeah. it does not have that power. Um, the, the thing that's going to bite you on the high end is always the thing you weren't bothering to look at anyway. Um, you know, the, the guarantee in life, uh, they, they say the two things in life that are certain are death and taxes. Um, you're going to have sucky experiences in your life unavoidably. No amount of fear, no amount of vigilance, no amount of planning ahead is going to keep you from having difficult, terrible experiences. And again, ultimately, physically, you're going to die. Um, uh, That's that's a guarantee. Uh, As my dad used to say, unless Jesus comes back first, that's going to happen, Mm -hmm. 100%. But here's the optional part in your life is whether or not it's any good. Um, you can have a good life, but that's that's kind of up to you because it involves an active element of going out and seizing it and living it and taking a hold of it. And fear is going to tell you not to do any of that. You know, if you if you work for a large company and you have a legal department, their job is to worry professionally. That's that's what the legal department of a large company does. And the thing is, um, any idea that you run past legal, um, here's what they're always going to say when they look at it. Don't. Yeah, exactly right. We have it's concerns. A bad, idea. Yeah. We, we, bad idea. We have 10 concerns. Here's a dozen reasons not to do that. Don't. And the thing you need to know is they're going to say that on everything right. That, right. that you suggest. It doesn't matter what it is to say, well, look at all these things. But here's the thing I understand. That's their job. Their job right. is That's to right. worry. If you let legal be the only input into a decision, your company will never do anything. Right. There is a healthy amount of assessing the risks of what you're looking at doing. 
That that and even Jesus talks about you know um, considering before you jump in. There's a moment to count the mm-hmm. cost before mm-hmm. you begin mm-hmm. the process. It's a biblical idea to kind of look before you leap at times. Yeah. But that doesn't mean look before you leap and then decide not to leap. That that's right, not right, the point. Right, right. There's a huge difference between a measured, considered risk that you decide it's worth the risk. Let's do it. Versus saying, oh, bad things might happen. Probably better just to do nothing of any kind. God wants to give you a good life. God wants to give you good experiences and good relationships and whatnot. But your fear is going to tell you it's not worth the risk. Um, The thing to know is fear is lying to you. Fear Mm -hmm. can't keep you safe from bad things. They're going to happen anyway. The only thing that fear can actually do is keep you from taking a hold of the good things and good experiences and good relationships that God wants to bring into your life. That's all great stuff. And one thing I would add on to this, it's I'm looking at your question again here, and it's interesting that um, kind of disabilities come up again and again. That's a common thing. Here's the thing. Everyone in this podcast knows people who have exactly what you mentioned. They have yep. uh, right. children with health problems. They them, uh, You specifically mentioned blindness. We actually work with a lady pretty significantly who works for the Lutheran Church who is somewhere between going blind and just running into things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Those people get on. They have full, fulfilling lives the same right. way we do. It's all... And there are different challenges there, but I think as Jed is pointing out, your life is going to have challenges. If your goal is to bunker down to minimize that on every level, A, it's not going to work because challenges are going to find you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, just the fear on that is going to rob you, and it's going to rob you of looking around and seeing a lot of the stuff going on with people. If you look at other people who have certain, maybe physical disabilities, let's run it down to you and say, oh, it must be tough, as opposed to that person's getting right along. Yep. Right, right. Right. There's a lot of strength and courage in that. And fear does that. Not only does it warp your vision for the future, but it really warps the lessons you can intake in the present. Jed, you got yeah. one more thing on this? Well, just to build on that, I I have a close friend who is legally blind. Um, uh, grew up, uh, it was a tough situation, uh, very athletic, you know, played a ton of soccer, and in his early 20s in college, went blind. It was a degenerative um, uh, condition. Um, uh, but that person has chosen to go on and lead an amazingly rich, fulfilling life, has done a lot to help a lot of people, uh, has you know, done all kinds of cool stuff. But the thing about what you're describing is that person has chosen to face life on life's terms. That, yeah, that person has chosen exactly. to take ownership and control of their life and be assertive. And that's the thing fear is telling our question asker not to do. I mean, in a weird way, the fear is creating a disability they can't overcome within them because yeah. they're not willing. The, the, the fear has become its own disability. Right. Um, yes, yes. Uh, the, Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and they're not willing to move past it. Yes. Not only has the fear not kept them from a problem, the fear is the problem. Yes, yes. Yeah, fear, exactly fear will right. limit your life in the ways something like a physical disability has actually doesn't have the ability to. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, uh, you know, what we're saying here really is it's, it's it's not the hand you're dealt, it's how that you play it. Yep, totally. And I think the the thing is, if I can use a, a theological term, if you're a butt kicker, sure. see what I'm saying? Whatever. You may have to go to the Bible Hub to look that up. Yeah, yeah. Like Greek. If you're a butt kicker and life hands you a problem, you kick its butt. Yep. If you're not a butt kicker, it doesn't matter what your life is like, you're going to be miserable. 100%. There's, there's always going to be something. If you're not the kind of person that overcomes challenges then whatever happens to you in your life, you're not going to be happy. And we see that. There's plenty of people who have, you know, you know more uh, uh, physical wealth and health and whatever than we do, 
and they're miserable yep. with it. You know, that's because of the way that they uh, live life and they handle their, you know, the way they uh, 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 deal with these challenges. So uh, I think it's really, as, as Jed is suggesting, and really everyone here is to have a different attitude in the way that you handle and face challenges, to embrace that, to recognize we grow and we get closer to God when we face times of, of, of trial and, and uh, figure out how we overcome those things. That's an excellent point. One of the things that points to is you're talking about, you know, if you're a butt kicker, if you're a challenge taker, you're not. A lot of that comes down to attitude. And I don't yeah, mean that yeah. in a, like, if you, I don't mean that kind of a name it, claim it way. But, mm. you know, no. but if you decide to look your challenges down and get the wisdom you need and the strength you need from outside mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and apply that, then you're going to overcome most everything. That's right. Um, That's it right. may not look exactly as clean as you want it to. That kind of goes back to what Lee was saying, where the fear limits you in a way where challenges, I don't want to say challenges are good things. There's a lot of people going through a lot of hard stuff, but challenges can be revelatory in a certain way. And Lee, you got something to close us out with on this? Uh, mainly just that, you know, the difference between fear is like fear is always asking the question, what if? Yeah. It's it's always projected in the future somewhere. Just something you don't know where it's going. You don't know what it's going to be. And and like like I I love Glenn's term, but like, you know, a person that's walking in the strength of God is butt kicker like he's describing. That person is always asking, what is it? What what am I facing? Rather than mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. if? What what if it's this one day? What if it's that? It's 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 you know, you reject fear by rejecting the question, what if? And you replace it with, where am I? And you just Dude, live right now. That is such a good thing because f- all the time you're spending on the what if is time you're not spending addressing the things that are in front of you right now today right. that need right. everything you've got. Right. right, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. In like counseling situations, I'd say this is pretty universal. A lot of people who come to any of the four of us with like, I'm just worried about this one thing. The first thought we have is that's about number 27 on the list of things that are killing you right, right. now. Right, yeah. right, right. And you're right, fixating yeah. this one little thing and that's... that's- like, as we're talking about, the, I think the overarching point we're making here, which is a, a very good one if you, you folks meditate on, is the one of the main things fear does is takes your focus off what your focus should be on. So Absolutely. it's an easy trap to fall into. We all do, but you can fight your way out of it. All right, move on to our next question here. It also came in an honest way our Tumblr. It says, why do I sometimes feel tingly during worship? What does it mean? What am I supposed to do with it? Lee, can you start us off? Uh, I can. Thanks for writing in the tingly worship. I've never heard worship described that way before, but um, I did happen to see that Matt answered this on his blog, and he titled it, The Worship is Tingly. Okay. I believe I titled it The Worship Tingles. The yeah. Worship Tingles. That's Nice. <laughs> Which was the, the title of Matt's second record. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it could be a lot of things. I mean, I, I think there could be a lot of stuff behind this. Maybe it's just that you really, really dig the, the style of music at your church. You just, you just really dig it. It's, it's really good. Or uh, it's, it's really your style. Or, or maybe it's a deal where you really have, you know, you went there and you decided, the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to really just forget about myself, I'm gonna, you know, my kind of uh, insecurities and stuff like that, and I'm really going to kind of let loose and participate in this thing. And what we find when people will make that decision right there, flip that mental switch of, I'm not going to be worried about what other people are, you know, thinking about my singing or anything like that. I'm just going to kind of let loose and really participate in this thing, really get after it, sing these songs, clap my hands, and go for it. Think about what these words are saying. Is they get more out of that time? They always get more out of that time. And I think the the real thing that we're looking at here is, is you know, you're asking, what does it mean? What does it mean if I if I like emotionally get a lot out of worship and and 
one thing I think you need to look at is that it's not something that, you know, it's, it's not going to happen all the time or anything like that. And it's not even really the goal uh, of that time. I think when we look at worship, we look at what the goal of that time is. Um, one thing to know is, is uh, and this is something you'll, you'll hear Glenn say, is that the, the Spirit of the Lord is always drawing people to himself. He's, all, he's always drawing people to himself, and then stuff gets in the way. Lies of the enemy, our own kind of insecurities, the world, fears, guilt, shame, all that kind of stuff, gets in the way of us being drawn closer to the Lord. And what we're trying to do in that worship time is we're trying to get stuff out of the way so that you can connect to the Lord. And the real, and here's the real kicker is, I think for a lot of people, what they want, and, and, and I know the four of us have seen this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in Christian culture. What they want is just for that time, that worship time, just to be as, mm, as emotionally, mm, as it can possibly be, because that's the end of the whole experience, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's all I want is just to feel as much as possible. And I just want to feel a lot and then if I feel a lot, then I felt it, and then and then I and then that's my that and I felt it, and I feel I, I feel things. But what if that whole you know like opening yourself up, getting involved in this, and you really you're feeling a connection to the Lord? What if that is not supposed to stop there? What if that's driving you towards something, which is what does the Lord want you to do with that? In other words, what comes next? Yeah. Like if, if the Lord is drawing you to himself, what word does he have for you? What, what thing does he want to change in your life? What does he want to do with you next? Because the thing, that, the thing that's really cool is when you have a worship time that's awesome and you really let loose and you're getting it and you feel close to the Lord and all that kind of stuff, so you get that self-forgetfulness that kind of gets you out of your own head and you're close to the Lord. And then like you see, man what this song is talking about and what this preacher is talking about. Like, this is what I need to do. And I need to get out there and be part of this. And all of a sudden you have a motivation to participate, like in the building of the kingdom of God. I I think for me, when you look at like, man, I'm going to this church and I'm really feeling it. The worship tingles, as Matt says, well, what are we going to do with that? To me, that's the, that's the, the next question is, okay, you're feeling connected to the Lord. That's really great. Now, what does he want to do with you? What, does, what is that closeness and that, and that relationship going to yield in your life? What does he want to do with you next? That's an excellent point. One of the things that can draw us off on things like this is looking for it to be complicated mm-hmm. in order to be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jed led to get to speak on this. This could mean something very, very simple, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I I bet that you. Uh, I'm going to assume you're male for a second. If I'm wrong about that, forgive me. But um, I bet you've had a, a a good tingly feeling before when a cute girl smiles at you. Right. Um, well, what does that mean? There's no deep abiding mystery there. Yeah, it, it means you like that, and you'd like to see more of that happen in your right. life. And here's the thing: you should. Um, if you're if you're a dude and cute girls smile at you, um, you should definitely like that feeling. You want to see more of that happen. Well, I, I wonder if there's not a, a very similar thing here where um, you're in worship and you get this tingly feeling. What that's saying is, I like this. Right. I, I want. I, I like a space where um, it's about the Jesus thing and I feel engaged and it's good and I want more. That's right. that's the key thing. Well, in in either case, whether it's about worship or about cute girls smiling at you. 
They're both good things. They're right. both godly things. Um, uh, you should want more of them, so pursue more of them. Right. Um, you know, if if there's something inside of you that says, I like this and I want more of it, and it's a good thing, go after it. Right. Um, you know, again, there's always you know, more and deeper wisdom to find, but um, it's okay to just – it's okay to look at anything in life and say – I like this, and I know it's good, and that's kind of all I need to know for the moment because that means I'm going to start going after it. Right, right. That's absolutely true. The The other side to look at this is this is an emotional experience, which while there's nothing wrong with that, is not really the way to drive the bus, right, Glenn? Absolutely right. Um, emotions uh, really stink uh, for being fuel in the tank to get our walk going and to keep it going. It absolutely is the worst way to go about that. Um, the, the, the truth is, we, we were just talking about in the earlier question, uh, uh, emotions are hard to control, uh, just the way that you can't uh, suddenly make yourself stop feeling emotion, you can't make yourself start feeling one either. Um, the other thing about emotions are that they tend to uh, just burn off. You, ha- you feel it for a while, and then it goes away. You know, you, you, you can't be happy for three days. You know, you, yeah. you, uh, you're, you're happy for a few hours, and then, you know, slightly less so, and then you think about something else, and, you know, the emotions just change. So trying to build uh, a walk based on emotions doesn't work. Well, uh, we know that there's lots of uh, worship leaders out there that really work on building a really uh, elevated emotional whatever, and they're they're using that uh, as a kind of a substitute. You know, it's it, it's if you feel excited and you're worshiping and you're in church, you know what? That's good. Yeah. So we're not gonna you know. Well, and if you leave church with uh, tingly feelings, you're more likely to come back to church and exactly put right. money in the plate. Exactly right. And um, uh, there isn't anything wrong with that from the standpoint of feeling emotionally excited in church. That's great, you know, lovely. Why not? Um, but again, what we're talking about is uh, can that fuel the rest of your week? And there's zero chance of that. That's, uh, emotions can't do that. It's a pleasant experience. Um, so what we're really looking at is what's the difference between uh, an emotional moment and a spiritual moment here? Uh, what is it, what are those, how are those two things different? Think of it like this. Look at your week as a journey that you're going to take. You're going to start off by uh, you have a, a person that you want to ask out on Monday. You have a, 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 a quiz that you need to be studying for on Tuesday. Uh, you're thinking on, on, on Wednesday of uh, calling your grandmother, whatever it is. You know the different things are going to happen in your week. You know all the ups and downs. So think of that almost as a path that you're going to walk and a journey that you're going on. The thing to ask yourself is what do you need? to get through that journey. So you'll say, well, I need strength, I need patience, I need wisdom to know what to say, I need some courage so that I can ask this person out or whatever have you. Uh, I need to have a sense of uh, a, a positive identity of who I am in Christ and so forth uh, so that I'm, I'm solid in that. That's what, whatever those things are, you, you, you sort of come up with a list that you're going to pack for this week. That's what you need to get out of your Sunday morning worship time is to get those things uh, together and get packed for your week. That's what hopefully your worship leader is working you through, what your sermon is, is, is helping you with, and so forth. But it's this idea of the, the problem that we have, and this is, this is really the, what it all boils down to. The problem we have is when we say, I want a spiritually tingly feeling, 
that has a, it's a spiritual tangle. Well, what is a spiritual tangle going to do for you? You know, wisdom will do something for you. Wisdom's the thing you need. You don't need a tangle. You need the, the wisdom part. You need, the, uh, you need the, the patience part. You need whatever those things are for your week. Um, for sure, God's going to reach down and put a squeeze on your heart, let you know that you're there. And, of course, you will feel a positive emotion about that. So that's fine. Uh, but it's it's about recognizing uh, that the the thing that our walk is built on are these virtues that we get from God: peace, patience, kindness, love, uh, grace, and those are the things that we have to really make sure we've got packed, so to speak. It's really a strong point. It's um, one of the problems with some of the stuff is a lot of the things that lead to spiritual growth don't feel spiritual. Yes, right. and in a weird twist, emotion feels super spiritual. Right. Kind of take it and run out of it, and um, Lee and Jed are both emotional, uh, both emotional leaders, both worship leaders right. by trade. Though there are some churches that are officially trying to get that title changed to emotions to leader. Emotions <laughs> leaders. Yeah, yeah. But I love for as we button this question up for both of you to kind of cover a brief thing. As Glenn pointed out there, I think it's a very important point. We're not poo-pooing to use a theological term the experience of emotions during worship, but that's right. not the whole thing. The Absolutely. goal of right. worship time is to prepare your mind and heart and do something very specific. So exactly. why don't we uh, start with Jed and then we'll go to Lee. Just kind of what, what do you as, as a worship leader, what are you looking for people to actually get out of that time and what do you what does that transfer into? Well, it's a great question. I should note, I lead worship in a very specific environment. So <laughs> um, uh, this might or might not apply to your situation, um, and it might or might not apply to Sunday morning worship service. We have a service called The Bridge um, that is for men and women coming out of incarceration, that's prison, um, out of street gangs, um, out of long-term drug addiction. And the point of this service is to uh, get them... Uh, closer to the Lord and get them plugged into local churches. Um, we have uh, pastors from local churches will be there. We want them to meet them. But when these men and women come in, um, uh, some of them have never been in a church before, ever. Um, for many of them, they haven't been to one in 10 or 15 years. And they uh, believe to the core of their soul, nobody wants me here. Um, uh, these people don't want me here. I'm not, I'm not welcome here. Um, it's, and um, the most important thing we do all night is breaking that one idea down. Um, we, we do love you. We do want you. Um, uh, you're not out of place. This is home. You're in, you're in the right place. So, um, the specific thing that I'm going for when I'm leading worship at the bridge, which again is, is the specific environment I'm working in is to break down that sense of a lack of welcome and kind of the accompanying non-involvement. In other words, these guys have a way because they don't feel welcome. They have a way of kind of trying to not participate because they figure maybe people wouldn't really want me to participate. Mm -hmm. So my whole goal is for you as a person in a chair to stand up and clap your hands as loud as you possibly can and sing as loud as you possibly can and forget about yourself for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, forget about your insecurities. Forget about your um, concern. Maybe you're not wanted. And just kind of lose yourself in that moment. Um, because what happens is if you'll, if they, and not if, when they do that, their openness to hearing something about their situation skyrockets. Yeah. Right. Um, it, right. it's night and day different. They're, they're actually ready to be ministered to at that point. So the funny thing is I, in terms of what I'm going for, I do want to see positive emotions go there, but that's not really what I'm aiming at. The, right, the emotions right. are more of, of a byproduct. Mm -hmm. I want them physically engaged. I mm -hmm. want them on their feet. I want them putting their hands together. I want them singing. And I want them giving it. It's in, in many ways, Matt, I'm actually... Uh, 
I think I have a lot more in common with um, an athletic coach than I do with what most people think of as a worship leader. I'm trying to well, get that them... explains the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, but I'm I'm totally the, no, the you're absolutely right on. Get, get out on that court and give it 110. percent That's my whole spiel. Right. The, the the 25 minutes that I'm up there is trying to egg them on to go harder. That's right, that's right. the thing that that I'm trying to do. They will have positive emotions as a result of that. But I think the funny thing is, if you're used particularly to a large membership worship service, I think our worship time would seem unspiritual, right? Um, yeah. uh, based on what you're used to, because the goals are so specific to get them involved so that they can be ministered to effectively, and right. good spiritual fruit can well, flow out of that. As Lee was saying, you're eliminating obstacles that are holding them back. That's, that's the focus. Exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's yeah. absolutely right. And Lee, you use, use some very similar principles, but in an environment people may be more familiar with in that Sunday morning worship time. Can you talk to a little bit of your philosophy? It, what's interesting is when people come into the church environment, they... They, they they came in because presumably they wanted to. They've been to churches before. They Most people that come into our situation have been in churches most of their lives, with the exception of the, the, the kids that we reach through outreach, uh, young people that we reach who have never been to church anywhere. And, uh, and what's cool is those guys come in and they're so excited to see us there because we already have relationships. They just go for it. But for people that have lived their whole lives in churches and stuff, they've done this before. They've come in and done the worship service thing and they'll do it. They'll stand. Sometimes they'll even clap their hands. A lot of people will cross their arms and sometimes they'll kind of mumble, sing. We wind up having the same goal, which is get in this, open your mouth, sing as loud as you can. And I also have, um, I I also spend a lot of time explaining to them why we're doing this. We're trying to remind ourselves of the things that we need, as Glenn's saying, the wisdom that we need to make it through the week, The, 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 uh, the, 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 the story of the good news. I'm trying to remember that again so that I know that I'm forgiven, so I can, so I can get rid of that guilt and shame and stuff that's holding me back. And what we talk about a lot is we need each other in this because if I'm having a terrible week and I'm struggling to, 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 to know whether or not I still believe this stuff, if I look across the aisle and there's another dude right there and he's going for it as hard as he can, then I realize I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who needs this song. I'm not the only person who needs this truth. And that's a super, super comforting thing so that those walls can break down and, and so they can hear that word that's coming down. So it's a lot of similar stuff, but we come out of it sometimes from a different angle because people do know what to expect. That's all really interesting stuff, and I think that's good for people to get kind of that peek behind the curtain, which, to go back to the original idea of our friend here, what does it mean and what do I do with it? The what does it mean is really kind of inconsequential, all things together. But the what do I do with it is you're, uh, you're now prepared to hear the thing that's going to actually propel you through your week, yeah. hopefully, from the dude preaching. Or, you know, your community group or whatever. And this is an integral part of that, but don't let it become the whole thing, but don't devalue it either. So I think that's a really good place to land on that. We're going to jump to our last question here. This also came into our Tumblr. It says, my relationship feels empty and one-sided. I'm doing the best I can to help my boyfriend 24-7, give him advice and helpful links. However, he avoids talking and he won't let me in. He cuts and never tells me. It makes me feel useless and tossed aside. He hates upsetting me when he's hurting, but I love him and can't help feeling sad when he's in pain. I feel so tired and drained. What am I doing wrong? I want him to get better. Am I expecting too much? Is it wrong that I feel hurt? Thanks. Jay, let's start us off. 
Well, Darlin, we're really sorry you're going through this. Yep. Um, it's it's tough stuff, and uh, you you deserve better, and we're sorry for it. Uh, that's that's the key thing. Um, you said in your question that you want him to get better, and that's great. Um, of course you do. My question back to you is, does he want to get better? Right. Um, if if you can dig it, that's that's actually about the only question that matters here. Uh, let me explain why. If people want to get better, then they can get better. Um, you know, uh, that doesn't mean all at once. That doesn't even necessarily mean they ever get 100% better. But if people want to get better, uh, by the grace of God and his strength, with good support, they can get better. That can happen. If people don't want to get better, they're not going to get better. Right. Ever. I'm going to tell you a quick Bible story to illustrate that point. Uh, there was a man, this was when Jesus was walking the earth, there was a man who had been um, disabled for decades. And uh, there were some things that he could do about that, but for a period of decades, he hadn't done. And he, he saw Jesus, and he told him kind of this whole sob story of, well, I, you know, and things are tough and whatnot. And Jesus asked him this really funny question, kind of straight off, do you want to get well? Right. Now, you think about it, what a weird thing to ask someone who spent years disabled. That's almost yeah. rude and insulting. But that's the question Jesus asked. Do you want to get well? Here's why Jesus asked that. If you insist on having a crappy life, I can give you functioning legs, but you're still going to have a crappy life. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Um, the, the only person who can decide, you know what, I want to have a non-crappy life is you. And I think it's something worth thinking about. If Jesus won't force help on people... Yeah. Why are we trying to? Right. I also, and, and Darlin, this may be hard to hear, but I, I just, I want to float it out there because I think it's something that's worth you thinking about. There is a fundamental difference between a marriage relationship and a dating relationship. Those are not the same thing. Right. When you are in a marriage relationship, there are times where the other person needs to make a change, doesn't want to make a change, and... um you need to have a stern conversation together of, I don't care if you want to, it's time. Right, right, right. Um, uh, that's, yeah. But that's in a marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're, And that's because you've taken vows before God to stay together and work it out. Right. When you're in a dating relationship and you have a person with very significant problems who is actively disinterested in getting better, um, they, they want to stay right where they're at for whatever reasons, it is time at the very least to consider ending that relationship. Right. At let me jump in on that, Jed, because Christians have a very easy time getting their mind around the idea that treating a marriage relationship like a dating relationship, not being committed, seeing other people, is super sinful and naughty and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. That's right. For some reason, there's this theory that treating a dating relationship like a marriage relationship is holier, Yeah. which is super not. It's treating a relationship that has one set of parameters before God like the other one, and it's just as jacked up as doing it the other way around. That's 100% right. Let's take a second and break that down. The thing that makes a marriage a marriage are vows before God. Yeah. Right. Forsaking all others as long as you both shall live. Right. Uh, before God and witnesses. Before God and That's and in witnesses. there for a reason. You don't just do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Out back at one point and say, we have vows now. Yeah, before God and witnesses, forsaking all others, as long as we both shall live. Here's something Glenn said to me before I was married. It's 100% true. It doesn't matter how long you've been dating. Um, it doesn't matter how well you know this person. When you get married, that's a different thing. Yeah. I guarantee you that's the case. When you are dating someone, that is an evaluative period where we are trying to see, is this a person I want to consider making a marriage covenant with? Right. 
But the key thing there is you haven't made a marriage covenant with them. And you, you, it's a pretty clear evaluation at this point. It's so. a pretty clear evaluation at this point. But I want to be crystal clear, Matt, you, you brought it up and it, and it needs to, to be very clearly expressed. If you are dating someone, you do not owe them anything. Right. You're not married. You're not pre-married. You're not on the road to marriage. You are dating. You do not have soul ties. There is nothing Christian about pretending like you have a commitment where you don't. Right. At well, all. And as you said, if it was a marriage, the, the, the response on this would be, oh, baby boy. It's time for it, some changes. It, yeah, yeah. So, if, well, know. not to go uh, thermonuclear with it, but if it was a marriage, by that, legally, you have some authority to have someone committed yeah, to get that, help. That's correct. And there's a yeah. reason. The law doesn't get everything right. There's a reason married people can do that and dating people can't. Right. Let me offer this real quick, and then we'll, we'll kick it around. I've heard it said a number of times well, I'm supposed to love this person the way Jesus loved me, and Jesus never gave up on me, so I can't give up on them. That's not the way dating works. Uh, um, also, you're not Jesus. Also, you are not Jesus. Um, <laughs> Super if you, not. If you were making that statement in the context of a marital relationship, it would kind of sort of be true if you looked at it from the right angle. Mm-hmm. In the context of a dating relationship, that is not true. Jesus does not want you to be the savior of this relationship. No. You can't be in the relationship enough for the both of you. And again, if this person does not want to get better, they are not going to get better. Right. Bottom line, at the very least, it's time for a serious conversation of is there a future to this relationship? Is there any (coughs) point in us pursuing it further? That's the minimum response, given where you're at. And I think it's worth considering just pulling the plug. Mm. Uh, But let me kick it around to these other brothers i think you make a lot of strong points and we we don't want to come off too harsh on this we want to come off a little harsh because Mm -hmm. that's what called that's what's called for yeah and that's why you write into the mean men on the podcast who will say (laughs) unpleasant things um we're happy to fill that role in many lives on the podcast and off but none of this is a judgment on your boyfriend not at all none of this is saying he's a bad dude none of this is saying he's weak-willed or unchristian or any other that kind of nonsense we do all of us in our day jobs deal with whether it be guys at the bridge whether it be high school kids church folk we deal with a lot of people who are lovely people they're mm-hmm. good people they're going to get it right at some point but they're not interested in getting it right right now right right, right. right. and it's not a harsh thing it's not a rebuking and casting into outer darkness what it is is saying I have a limited amount for us in ministry we have a limited amount of time energy and resources so it's not good for them, and it's not good for us, and it's not good for the other people we could be helping right. to pour all that time into somebody who's not trying to get help. Exactly. For you, even take dating out of it. You've got time, energy, and affection in your day that is, it sounds a little harsh, on some level is being wasted. You're yeah. pouring it into this guy who's not yeah. doing anything with it. Again, we don't judge why he's not doing that. It could be a lot of personal chemical stuff that's totally understandable. Right. And if he looked at it, you could get some movement on that, but he's not looking at it for whatever reason. There are friendships and projects and grades and other relationships, familial and whatnot, that could be benefiting from time and effort put into this. So everything Jed said is absolutely true. I want to temper it a little bit by saying 
that doesn't say anything about your boyfriend. That's just something about your relationship. Right. Absolutely. Now the relationship is in a really boned place. Yeah. Right. That actually, and again, Christians have a hard time with this. That doesn't mean either one of you is a bad person. Exactly right. It means it's a bad relationship. Exactly yeah. right. And we can look at it through that lens of what you would be getting out of a good relationship. Can you walk us through a little bit of that, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the thing is, is that you have the the right to feel, you know, you say at the end of the question, I think, let me look at that again. Yeah, is it wrong uh, to feel said, this hurt? Is it wrong to feel this hurt? Absolutely not. You should feel uh, hurt by this. This is a this is a hurtful thing. Um, I, I love the I love the kind of line in the sand that Jed has drawn here. But you know, really, really throwing into relief the fact that you are not married to this person. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's so cool about that is that it frees you up to think about this from a different angle. So, for instance, what if you were going to a business? You know, for something that you regularly used in a business, and they and, and and they you know treated you this way. I mean, you know, like you know, if they if they had, if you went, let's say, to like a dry cleaning business, you had you know you regularly went to a dry cleaning business, and they just they just could not you know could not keep appointments. They could they 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 were uh, they were constantly losing the clothes. They were constantly overcharging, misrepresenting themselves, all, all this kind of stuff. If there was like massive misbehavior, uh, if they if this business broke your trust over and over again, I mean you would never ever ever you w- you wouldn't hesitate to say I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. That's a great thing about dry cleaners is like in most mid-majors cities there's a ton of them. They're everywhere. And so, you know, it's just, and, and, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to, uh, to, to sterilize, you know, just kind of like the emotional damage that this thing has done and you're right to feel hurt in this whole thing. And I don't mean to, to make light of it by comparing it to, you know, dry cleaning or whatever. But the cool thing about, about the way that Jed is helping you to look at this is that since you have not made vows before God, you are not, you do not have to save this person. Yeah. And that's a really, really important thing to know because you actually can't. You, you, you can't save a person who doesn't want to be saved. This person, this, this, this dude needs help. He needs, he, he, he needs to, to work a recovery program, and you can't force somebody to do that. I have a friend in our church who is an AA sponsor, and as Glenn will tell you, AA is the only place that has cheesy one-liners that are also true. Yes, and uh, and he's and he said this thing. He said AA is not for people who need it; it's for people who want it. Yep, and that's the whole deal with this thing. This dude needs help, but you can't f- save him from it, and you can't make him want it. And I and I, I urge you strongly to consider what Jed is saying about this line between marriage and dating, because if anybody anybody else where you felt like I actually have a choice, if anybody else came anywhere close to the kind of misbehavior and personal hurt that this relationship has caused you, you just find another version. You'd yeah. find another dry cleaner. You'd find another restaurant. You'd find another wh- whatever. And But f- for some reason, we feel like in a dating relationship, in a close dating relationship, I don't actually, I'm not free to think that way. I'm not free to have an option. And the truth is you absolutely are. The, the other thing on this is, another thing I think Lee points out something really uh, sharp there, that there are feelings and thoughts people feel like they shouldn't allow themselves to have in the context of romantic relationships. And one of them is that you're not, it goes back to something Jeb was saying earlier about, I just love them like Jesus loves me is you're not allowed to have expectations on the other person's behavior. Now you're, you shouldn't be having 
unrealistic expectations right. on someone right. else's behavior. The problem with that is the unrealistic, right. not the expectations. The right. Someone who, with the emotional maturity to get help on their issues, is actually a very realistic and kind of bottom dollar expectation, right, Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in listening to, or excuse me, reading this uh, question that you have, I was kind of surprised because... I, I was intrigued by the idea of receiving help being an optional thing. Sure. Uh, does, does it work that way in, in your relationship, Glenn? No. <laughs> uh, if I say I have a problem, I can't turn around and say, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. That does not work in my house. No, it doesn't work in mine either. That's uh, how you get doctor's appointments made for you. That's exactly right. Uh, the, there's no sense of it being an optional thing within my relationship to where we all know I have a problem with something, and I'm just, you know, I'm not going to do anything on yeah, that. No, that's There's, not going to happen. Yeah. Jed's just entertaining himself with that thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, if I may, yeah. part of the reason it's not going to happen is because there are few joys in life greater in a marriage than being able to use that same weapon that's been used on you right. against your spouse. That's right. So all the times you said, hey, I know you don't want to address this, but we have to. The moment they can swing that with back around. Return fire is just a sweet thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number of militaristic references these two make <laughs> in regards to marriage is kind of unbelievable. Uh, this is the thing is, um, I think he needs to hear you do not have the option to stay with me and not receive help. Yeah. Those, you, okay. that, that's not an option. That's not on the table. We can stay together. Now, understand if he says, I have a way of dealing with this and I want to do it my way, okay, do it your way. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, We'll do it mine. That's fine. If we if he says if he's being stubborn and wants to do something that you know his way or something that that that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is I'm on this and I'm hiding it from you. Yeah. I'm not telling you about it. I'm trying to get away with being this way because I don't want to change it. The the line that, that that really grabs me here is how he hates upsetting you. He hates upsetting me, and so he doesn't tell me when he's hurting, etc., and so on. Uh, th- this is the. I, mean, I have sex. A lot of people aren't my wife. I don't tell her. I just don't want her to be upset. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that that's the line that doesn't quite ring true in this. He doesn't hate upsetting you, sweetheart. What he hates is bottom lining his own problem so that the accountability, the finger of accountability, kind of points back to him. If he says. I, I have a problem with this. The next thing you're going to say is, well, let's solve it. And if he doesn't want to do that, he's just he's going to realize, okay, next time I don't tell her about the problem, that way I can just keep being the way that I am. Well, and to build on that, even if you just take him his words, he didn't tell me, so that, that doesn't matter. Exactly You right. don't get points for having a good motivation for doing the bad thing. Absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm upset. So you yeah. didn't. You, you didn't doing it. it upsets me. Doing it's not it, the talking about exactly it. Exactly so right. You still did it. That's exactly right. It's the doing part that I'm upset about. It's it's uh, you covering it up is making it way worse. So you you have in no way strategically handled this to preserve my feelings. Every <laughs> different way you've handled this has made it worse for me on my end. There's no there's no sense of. Uh, uh, helping me on this thing, as you say, you feel it's one that 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 you're, uh, you know, this relationship feels empty and one-sided. You feel tired. You feel drained, uh, so on and so forth. I don't blame you. I think you're on the right road. And I understand none of us are trying to put this dude down. 
you know, we've all, I mean, we, we everyone uh, in on this podcast has been in a relationship. We've, we've had stuff we needed to fix. We've avoided that for however long, as long as we could get away with it, probably. But uh, there comes a point where you realize I'm upsetting my significant other. I'm, you know, uh, uh, not handling my own business well. I've got to get to a point where I put this under my feet. Yeah. I've got to get to a point where I make a serious change. I think he's past that moment yeah. here. That's where, what we're concerned about. That's what we're reflecting back. But I feel as though if you present to him, uh, th- th- this relationship is conditional based on... The love is unconditional. The relationship has many very clear conditions upon it. Believe me. Okay. Uh, what you need to understand is a condition of this relationship is when there's a problem we all know exists, you and I are going to figure out what to do yep. to solve that problem. Now, we it may take us lots of back and forth to figure that out. We may have to talk to a lot of different people, try a lot of different things. As long as I see you trying, that's, that's a okay. different thing. That's that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, if, if he's willing to give it the old college try and it's not quite working... Then I understand the idea of hanging in there and trying to be patient with it and, and standing by him and being that that would be a moment where that might be an appropriate thing. But a guy who's saying, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to tell you about it and I'm not going to change it. That's a guy who's asking you to break up with him uh, or just take it as it is. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the position he's putting you in. And that's not fair to you. It's not healthy for the relationship. I think you're absolutely right there. One thing I'll close out on this is um, this it kind of goes back to the beginning where we're talking about with the fear thing. Of, but what if I broke up with him and I would be miserable and he would be miserable? You're both miserable now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's cutting himself. You're in a, a, a totally understandable emotional froth about that everybody's miserable right nobody's life gets worse if this relationship ends right now if there's a much cooler relationship under the when we peel back the onion of this thing where people won't deal with their issues that we can get to that but either way we've got to kill this relationship as it stands Mm -hmm. where he hides the problem and you blame yourself for him hiding the problem and send him the links he doesn't all the whole thing Mm -hmm. that's not a functional relationship the options here are either one continue in dysfunction. That shouldn't be an option. It mm-hmm. is, but mm-hmm. don't do that one. So the two viable options are we got to part ways and go find functional relationships with other people. Yeah. And again, that's not, that's not a judgment on anyone. That could be, this is bad timing. That could be, we kind of bring out these, uh, worst parts of each other and we can, we're going to figure that out with other people who in different circumstances, that's fine. Or we can, kill the dysfunctional part and make this a functional relationship. Yeah. Right. And those second two are kind of equal as far as getting good stuff out of them. But the thing that's going to make everybody totally tear their hair out is we're just going to sit in this. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. It's not a good option for you. And it's not a good option for him. I know, especially when you're dealing with someone who has some symptoms, which it sounds like your boyfriend does of depression or mental illness, which um, you know, if you're cutting yourself, that's a certain level of, you know, often associated with depression. It certainly mm-hmm. will be considered a compulsive behavior. Mm-hmm. It's often a temptation to look at this, say, yeah, but how, how much worse would it get if I left the picture, which right. is an understandable thought, but it's not one that tracks as yes. we're pointing yeah. out here. People are engaging in actions because they decide to. Yeah. Right. The, the circumstances around that are effective of that, but the decision is still the decision. So this whole idea of I'm gonna I would leave and he would do it would be worse and that would be my fault. No, yeah. 
That's getting back you, to the dating martyr thing. Yeah, you left because if you leave because you want a functional relationship, and he goes in a weird direction with that, that's not on you. That's on him. He's mm-hmm. a grown man, maybe not a grown man. He's a big boy. He made his decisions. Mm-hmm. So as to go back to, and sum this up and go back to something a very smart point Glenn said earlier, God's not looking for you to be the martyr in this relationship, mm-hmm. and especially if you're martyring just leads to both of you being miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice is only a good thing when it leads to something good. Yeah. Sacrifice for the sake of everyone never having to improve themselves is not really a uh, laudable and Christian goal. Right. So yeah. There's a good relationship out there. Maybe it's with this dude. Maybe it's not, but this isn't what a good relationship is. Yes. All right. We move on. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Lots of folks jumping on the Bridgebox bandwagon. Come join us. We don't want you to miss out on lots of good stuff for your walk. And we also don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to support the good work we're doing here. I felt dirty just saying that. <laughs> what are you going to do? And, but wait, there's more. The Pocket Fisherman. Um, you can sign at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. It really is a lot of good stuff. We really believe in the stuff we put out there. We're proud of it. We want you to experience it. Missionusa.com slash BBLY. And take out the outro song this week. One of the things that's in every bridge box is a track by our friend, Chicago DJ, the pool house guru. This is a really cool new thing. He's trying where we give him sermons that people preach the bridge. This is from our friend, Mike Neal. who's the pastor of, I believe a Baptist church in Bronzeville on the near South side here in Chicago. Mike's a great preacher, preached a really cool message about kind of Abraham leaving and going to a foreign country and what that means for us. And as far as stepping out to, on the promise of God to new places and new adventures. So the Pulaski guru took that kind of 10 minute sermon, cut it down and remixed it. So that's what you're about to hear. It's the Just coolest remember, we thing love you. ever too. It's awesome. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, gluttony is still a sin. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land. I will show you to a land. I will show you to a land. I will show you. And your father's household to a land I will show you. Listen, listen, y'all. So the question is, how is it that we live this faith in spite of our family? Sometimes it's because of, sometimes it's in spite of, but sometimes it's in spite of. What we have to do is realize we have to put family in its proper place. So, so what we, how, can, how can we honor our family? I think the one way we can do this is realizing by honoring God, we honor our family. So, so when we, how, can, how can we honor our family? I think the one way we can do this is realizing by honoring God, we honor our family. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. See, other versions said depart. That means that sometimes if God is going to use you, he has to get you away from what you're used to. And so if God is going to show you something new, you got to depart. God tells him this. Abraham hears this. And instead of running to his partners and talking about it, instead of taking a little survey, instead of trying to ponder it and talking about what he couldn't do, the Bible says in verse 4, Abraham went. I heard from God and I left doing what God told me to do. See, that's how you honor your family. See, that's how you honor your family. And I left doing what God told me to do. 
See, that's how you honor your family. See, that's how you honor your family. See, somebody on the corner needs to miss you for a while. And so when you when you come back, you can say, I've been on a journey because God sent me somewhere. So you may have to bless them by removing yourself from the situation. Even our family, you may have to bless your bless them by stepping back sometimes. You still love them, you still care for them, but some of them need a little distance between you. As a matter of fact, you ought to just tell them sometime, right now, God is blessing me so much, y'all can't handle this. See, that's how you honor your family. Abraham went. See, that's how you honor your family. Abraham went. See, that's how you honor your family. Abraham went. See, that's how you honor your family.